After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is the word of God for the people of God. God tested Abraham. God says to Abraham that he should take his son, whom he loves, and sacrifice him, slaughter him, kill him, and burn him up like you would a burnt offering. If you hear this story, and it doesn't raise your sensibilities or cause a negative visceral reaction I would suggest perhaps you've heard this story too many times. For this story is a scandal. Because you remember the son we're talking about is the one that Abraham has been waiting on for years and years. It's the long-awaited promised child that's supposed to make all of these promises of God come true. And now, Abraham senses believes that God is leading him to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. My Bible professors and our best biblical scholars suggest 
that it's important for us to remember that in these ancestral stories, they're written more trying to tell us about theology than history. That they're trying to make a point for us to understand about faith and God and who we are in relationship to God. Those seminary professors, I had my Bible professors, called this biblical saga. They used the word saga to mean that this is a story that carries the identity of the people of God. A story that carries the values in terms of what identifies them as a people God has gathered as a holy nation. We've been following these stories through Genesis that deal with Abraham and Abraham and Sarah. And now Abraham and Sarah and their son Isaac. And this is the crowning story in the Abraham cycle as we come very close to the end. You could say that the whole series of stories that deal with Abram and then Abraham following God are asking the same question. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? Abraham represents the foundation and the founding of the Hebrew people, God's own people, the Israelites. Isaac represents the future of Israel. And God wants to know whether or not Abraham is trustworthy. That's an important question. Not just between Abraham and God, but that's an important question for all of us. Don't we want to know in terms of our relationships with other people, whether it's at church or at work, in a family relationship, or one with friends or business colleagues, or people we socialize with, are they trustworthy? Can we count on them? Will they do what they say? Are they who they say they are? Will they walk beside me in good times and bad? Or can I trust them? Are they trustworthy? It's an important question. Not only between Abraham and God, but for us and all of our relationships, including our relationship with God. So reading through this story, it caused me to remember when I was meeting my wife, Mary, before she was my wife. I had just graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I was going from Norman to Kansas City. I had felt called by God to go into the ministry. I knew I still had to do my seminary work. I stopped over in Tulsa for the summer because I could live at my parents' house for free. I wasn't planning to work. I thought I needed a break before I took on seminary. But I'd only been in town a few days when one of the pastors of another one of the United Methodist Church invited me to come have a conversation. They were needing a summer youth director. They'd had a great youth director who had resigned and moved on. They were doing a search for another one they hoped to have in place for the fall, but they needed someone for a few weeks to help out. I went and had that conversation. They offered me the job. Mary was the president of the youth group. I was just graduating from college. She was just finishing her sophomore year in high school. There was reason for concern. 
Her mother also worked at the church. I got to know her. She kind of helped us navigate this relationship over the next several months. But I've not shared with you my father-in-law's perspective. Before he was my father-in-law, he wasn't so keen on my presence, even being in Tulsa, I think. You see, I was from out of town. Most of the time when he saw me, I was riding a motorcycle, often without a helmet. It was the freedom factor. It was great, you know. My hair, he might have thought, was a little too long and unruly. I was experimenting with vegetarianism and simple lifestyles. I had it all together. <laughs> he may have had another thought. Granted, he had reason for concern. Now that I have two daughters, he had good reason to wonder. <laughs> so he sort of stood back and just watched over these next several months as this relationship developed. I think he was testing me, you could say, to see if I was someone he should trust and his daughter could trust. It was a legitimate question, a legitimate concern. It's important to know that about people who we're going to be in intimate relationships with is whether or not we can trust the other person. God wants to know if Abraham is trustworthy. God wants to know if he can count on Abraham. And this story is telling us the answer to that. But there's another question being asked at the same time. It's a little more subtle, but it's the other side of the equation. It gets raised in verse 7. This is how the author of Genesis puts it. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father! with an exclamation point. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide. God himself will provide. This story is asking the question about whether or not Abraham is trustworthy and faithful, but there's a second question here as well. Is God faithful? Because you see, it makes no sense at this point in the story for God to call on Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac is the long-awaited promised son. We've been looking at these stories that start back in Genesis 12 that tell us that God calls Abraham and makes these promises to him that he's going to have a son, but not only one son, but his descendants will be so numerous that they'll be a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations. He's going to have a son. He's going to have land. He's going to be made wealthy if he will be faithful to God's leading. So here we are. Finally, the son has come after so much waiting. And then Abraham senses or hears or thinks that God is leading him to sacrifice the son. But to sacrifice Isaac kills the dream, negates the blessing. 
leaves God's promises null and void. So how can this be? How can this be a part of God's calling or leading? How can this be a part of God's promise? So there's a dual dynamic here. The story is dealing with whether or not Abraham is faithful, but it's also talking about whether or not God is faithful. But we have the story, and Abraham and Isaac are walking together now up the side of a mountain. They get to the top of the mountain, and Abraham builds a stone altar, puts the wood on top of the altar, binds Isaac, ties him up, and puts him on top of the wood. And maybe with a sigh, takes the knife by which he will kill his son. And just as he is prepared to do what he believes God is leading him to do, he is startled by the voice. It's recorded in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The voice said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And behold, as Abraham is faithful, all of a sudden in the confusion, he notices there's a ram right near them, caught in the thicket. And he goes and gets the ram and slaughters the ram and offers the ram as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering to God. It is a close call, a very close call that would have ended the promises and the dreams and the hopes and the work of God. But the story is resolved without sacrificing Isaac and therefore the promise. The conclusion of the story is God is trustworthy and Abraham is trustworthy. God is faithful and Abraham is faithful. You begin to realize as you step back and examine the story that this is a brilliant scenario. God is maybe being clever here. Because it's really not that Isaac is going to die. If Abraham is not faithful, Isaac lives. If Abraham is faithful and goes to the mountain to the sacrifice, God's going to stop him and Isaac lives. No matter what Abraham did, Isaac will live. So the story is not so much about child sacrifice, but more about what God is really interested in, in terms of His relationship with us. God wants to know about faithfulness, trustworthiness, and commitment. God's wondering if Abraham's going to continue to follow if Abraham's going to be willing to risk what may need to be risked to fulfill God's plans for the world. Abraham proves faithful in his willingness to risk 
even his son. Dr. Scott Peck became very well known after he wrote the book, The Road Less Traveled. In that book, he tells the story about a relationship with his daughter as she became a teenager. He said, as I was advancing in my career and working so much and so focused on all of those things, and my daughter became a teenager, I began to realize that our relationship had drifted in such a way that we were not really on good terms, and I didn't really know her very well. He said, every night when I would come home from work in that period, she had gotten excited about chess, and she would ask me, you want to play chess with me tonight, Dad? He said he was always too busy or too tired, had to go back to the office or needed to rest or had something else to do. But he said after a while he realized he needed to do better. So he determined the next time she asked, Dad, want to play chess? He was going to say yes. And so he came home one evening and she asked him. And he said, oh, yes. And she was so excited. So after dinner, they sat down at the chessboard and began to play. He said, she had gotten better than I thought. It was a very challenging game. I really was having to concentrate. We played on into the evening. Finally, it got to be about a quarter till nine, and nine was her self-imposed bedtime. And she said, Dad, could you please hurry up your moves? He kind of ignored her and continued to study the board. He said she got more agitated as the minutes passed. She said again, Dad, can you hurry up the move so we can finish this game? And he said, I finally said no and broke into a tirade about life and how life is like chess and you got to finish the things you start and sometimes things are hard and you don't have to go to bed right now. And anyway, we're having fun here, aren't we? He said she broke into tears and left the room. And he knew he had failed. He had failed her. He had failed himself. He said, I felt terrible. And for the next several days, he said, I just kept ruminating upon what had happened. And the more I thought about it, the worse I felt until finally I fell into a depression. But then he writes these words I want to read to you. He says, my depression is over now. I have given up part of my desire to win at games. This part of me is gone now. It had to die. I killed it. I thought I would miss it. But I don't. What are you willing to risk to have the abundant life that God promises you? What are you willing to risk so that you might have a deeper and more trusting and more re intimate relationship with God? The story tells us the good news today. The good news is that God is trustworthy. You can count on God. But we only learn that at an internal level when we actually have a relationship with God. 
where we pay attention over the days and weeks and months and years of our lives to how God might be working in our lives. And sometimes we get stuck at a place where God is inviting us to let go of something, to sacrifice something, maybe to kill something off in our life that needs to go. Dr. Peck realized that he had to kill that part of himself that desire to win at everything which had served him well earlier in life but now was destroying his relationship with his daughter he had to let it go or kill it off as he says so that better part of him that wanted to be a better parent could emerge sometimes that's true for us we have things that we need to let go or allow to die or to set aside so that we can be all of whom God wants us to be. There might be something like that in your life. What do you think? Could God take you through that? Our story today concludes in verse 14 where it tells us the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Thanks be to God. Amen.